Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. Today, we're doing the Friday Forge, as usual, a weekly episode where we hammer out topics brought to us by our community. We, uh, we've we got a few questions here, five to be exact, that we felt like they were really good questions, just not quite something that we could make you know, a 45-minute, an hour-long episode out of, but we definitely want to answer them. So consider this Q&A Part 3. Rapid-fire fun. I mean, rapid-fire, but <laughs> we might be here well, for a while. <laughs> we don't do anything too rapidly. <laughs> right. I know, it's so funny. When we first started this podcast, I thought that 15 to 20 minutes would be almost overkill, but people seem to really want longer episodes, and Chad and I are only too happy to oblige because we both really enjoy talking. Absolutely. It's like our favorite topic with one of my favorite people about Aww. my favorite things. I can't be stoked more that people are just like, just give us more. Like, okay. No problem. Yeah, let's get right into it. So our first question comes from Library of Mara. Library of Mara asks, what is your favorite first line of a book? I got three. You got three? <laughs> uh, I couldn't stop myself. That was just, uh, I couldn't pick. All right. All right. That's okay. Well, then, uh, in the interest of you having three, I guess, uh, why, don't you, <laughs> why don't you go first? Okay. This is the bright candlelit room where the lifetimers are stored. Shelf upon shelf of them squat hourglasses, one for every living person, pouring their fine sand from the future into the past. The accumulated hiss of the falling grains makes the room roar like the sea. That would be Mort by Terry Pratchett. Ding, ding, ding. Correct. <laughs> I love the grains falling from the past to the future. Like It's just a very cool opening line. It kind of paints the picture. Really good imagery, too. Like You can hear the grains of sand. It's like this room it full of hourglasses. That's when death is kind of like wandering around through the room, right? I think so, yeah. It is so good. I've heard from multiple people that it's their favorite Terry Pratchett book and might be mine also. I don't know if I've read enough to be like, that's the best, but... It's really good. It's definitely one of my favorites. I think uh, Guards Guards might push it out just a little bit. Guards Guards is really good, but Mort is way up there for sure. Uh, what's your first one? So my first one is is more of an honorable mention because everybody knows this one, but I just I have to include it because it's just so good. I don't know if you'll guess this one actually. Okay. The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. No, I don't know that. Well, you're going to know it. because Oh, is it Dark Tower? Yeah, that's the first Dark Tower book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a really beautiful first line of a book because it's got, it's got everything contained in that one sentence, right? Can you so read it to me again? Sure. Yeah. It's the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. So Ooh. in that entire sentence, you've got the antagonist, the man in black. He's moving. So there's movement there. Fled across the desert, the setting. And then the gunslinger, the protagonist, followed more movement. Wow. Each person's goal, the setting, movement, it's a perfect, it sets everything up. It really did. The only thing I couldn't tell was which one was the protagonist and the antagonist. Because oh, yeah, I, I, I originally I, thought that that was, well, it doesn't, I would learn The book is quickly, called The I'm Gunslinger. Sure. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> I didn't know that. I guess like the title of a book doesn't necessarily have to be the protagonist. But I probably would have put the pieces together. I gave it away. No, I'm sure I would have figured it out in like the next two or three sentences. But I thought that it was like the good guy being chased. It was the apotheosis of all deserts. Oh, man, Ooh, I can't apotheosis? wait to read. Apotheosis? Yeah. Stephen King loves word? that word. Oh, it absolutely is. I'm so excited to read The Dark Tower. <laughs> we have, we have uh, six more books until we get to The Gunslinger. So six oh more God. weeks. 
Yeah. So stoked. Uh, it's, the so highest, good. it's the highest point in the development of something, the culmination or climax. The apotheosis. apotheosis. Wow. Yeah, that's a back pocket one for sure. Let's hear your next one. Okay. These stains of rust seemed to map blood seas on the black pocked surface of Mock's vein. That'll be Gardens of the Moon. Damn straight it Ooh, is. Such a good first sentence of a so book. So good. And wow. it's so appropriate because you learn nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just like what's Mock's vein? Is that like a stone? Is that a castle? Is that a person? You don't know. And you probably won't for two books. <laughs> that whole first scene of Gardens of the Moon is so good. So good. It's terrific. It's just this old, grizzled soldier and this kind of bright-eyed little kid who's just like, I want to be a soldier someday. And this guy is just like, you no, have you don't. no idea what this is like. It's so good for, I mean, I haven't read all the Malazan books, but it's just, it's such a good kind of, you don't even know what you're in for, you know, yeah. just in that one little part of that book. Because the old man could be speaking to you. Like, beware, yeah, reader, you yeah. don't know what you're getting yourself into. And boy, <laughs> did I not. Uh, hit me with your, your next one. All right, I think you'll be able to guess this one. Okay. At the height of the long, wet summer of the 77th year of Sendavani, the thief-maker of Kamor paid a sudden and unannounced visit to the eyeless priest at the temple of Peralandro, desperately hoping to sell him the Lamora boy. Lock Lamora! <laughs> What a terrific first sentence. Ah, that's great. There's so much information revealed. And it's interesting, some of the tidbits that the author decided to throw in there, like telling us that it's the end of the seventh, seven, seven, 77th year of Pelalandro or whatever is kind of <laughs> useless, right? But it kind of, I don't know, maybe adds some depth to the world. It asks a lot of questions. It, it raises a lot of questions, right? The thief, who, like, what is the thief maker? Who, what is Kamor? What is right? What is he like? Obviously, he makes thieves. Is that a thing? What? But this word thief maker and this word eyeless priest at this temple of Perilandro. And then you've got this word, really key word, desperately hoping to sell him the Lamora boy. I noticed that we have some conflict right away. Like, someone's in trouble. Yeah, somebody's being sold here. Like, what, what? And he's desperate to get rid of him. Like, what's going on here? Right. Does he need the money? Is the kid being hunted? I don't remember why he's desperate to sell him. Lock Lamora is too good at stealing. Oh, that's right. Bless your memory, Evan. <laughs> I mean, I've read this book like three times. I've it's read it really, twice. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I know. It's like sometimes I'm I kind of like sitting in my room trying to think of content to make. And I'm like, how many more times can I recommend Lies of Lock Lamora to everybody? But, I know. I mean, I, I'm i just going to keep doing it because it's... And you know what's funny? Um, My first time reading Lies of Lock Lamora, I couldn't really get into it. And I've since starting uh, my TikTok page and everything, I've had quite a few people say that they've started it and are asking me about 100 pages in whether or not they should stick with it. And it makes a lot of sense because it jumps around timelines a lot which can be a little bit jarring. And also, they're really getting into the Don Silvara game for a while without you actually really knowing what's going on. You really kind of feel like you're out of the loop, but you really want to be in the loop because you like these characters a lot. So you, I, there's almost like this FOMO feeling going on while you're reading it. You're not in the click. And you want to be, because these people are so cool. They're gentlemen right. bastards. That's interesting how certain people think that about this, because I never... Like looking back and maybe it's just rose colored glasses, but I never was like, oh man, I wish I knew what was going on sooner. Or something. I don't know. I didn't struggle with yeah. that, but I've heard the same thing. Like my brother, 
I've given him name of the wind thrice now. And then finally on the third time he got through it because he was just like, man, when's this book going to pick up? I'm hearing about just Bast and the shopkeeper. Cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. With name of the wind, I always tell people to stick through it till about a hundred pages. And mm-hmm. I think about that for Locke Lamora too. You give it like a, a good solid hundred pages. If by like 150, 200, you're not feeling it, it's probably just not for you. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I feel like that's with, most books, though, like, uh, have you ever heard of the ninety-nine page, the ninety-ninth page rule? Mm-mm. I just found out about this from a really cool creator on TikTok. Basically, if you pick up a book and read page ninety-nine, you can get a good feel of whether or not that book is for you. Because if you just read the first couple pages of a book, it's been so polished because it's been trying to get published and get bought and sold and every word been looked over and scrutinized right like the the part of the book that's going to have been read the most by publishers by beta readers by everybody is the first couple pages so that's going to be the best part maybe not like best you know what i mean it's going to be the most looked over and it won't necessarily represent the meat of the rest of the book but if you just go in randomly and read page 99 is a good one that people agree on now you're in it. You can see if you like the writing style. You can see if you like the way everything flows, the way that names are spelled, if it's a fantasy book. Like sometimes names kind of throw me off. If it's got like four apostrophes or something. <laughs> like yeah, there's I don't like three dots over an O. Like I don't know what that means. <laughs> Is this Hebrew? Does Hebrew do three dots? There's one. Yeah, I think it makes the S sound because there's no vowels, right? So the dots and the lines and the things. So over if there was like a T sound, like a tet. Um, and there would be like the A symbol above it that would make a ta sound. And I think oh, the three dots, it can only go on. There's like three letters that are three, two or three letters that are um, silent. And then over those ones, they do kind of a different thing. Here's my final one, which is very, very obvious. <clears throat> Far out in the uncharted backwaters of the unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small, unregarded yellow sun. Orbiting this at a distance of roughly 98 million miles is an utterly insignificant little blue-green planet whose ape-descended life forms are so amazingly primitive that they still think digital watches are a pretty neat idea. (laughs) That'll be Hitchhiker's Guide. So good. Then it goes on to talk about the money problem. Most people were concerned with the movements of small green pieces of paper, which is odd because on the whole it wasn't the green pieces of paper that were unhappy. Lots of people were mean, and most of them were miserable, even the ones with digital watches. So good. I found a book dart inside of my Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I was like, yes, gold. What part were you at? Um, well, I must have finished it from that point. It was like three-fourths of the way in. Because sometimes I forget to take them out when I finish, you know. My mom got me one of those little tins when I was like 12. And I have one book dart left in it. What? Yeah, because there's like 30 wow. of them in there. And so I just like kept moving them forward. Uh, but I had for a while a rule whenever I'd loan a book, I would always give them the book with the book dart in it and say, I don't want the book dart back, but I want the book back. Yeah, I still have some books from when I was that age. Me too. My copy of The Lost Years of Merlin. Oh, I'm jealous on that one. My copy of The Hobbit I've had since I was like 11. Same. I think that's probably it. <laughs> I don't have like anything really from that time. I mean, I bet if I looked through like all of my books, I'd probably find stuff from a really long time ago. My Gilligan's Island uh, not Gilligan's Island, uh, Gulliver's Travels. That's like <laughs> I don't know the what, novelization like, of <laughs> Gilligan's Island. You know, uh, I have my, uh, all my Salvatore books are from 13 to 15. That's adorable. Cute little 13-year-old Chad. And I uh, probably destroyed a pretty valuable copy of The Hobbit when I was camping and got it soaked completely by falling into a lake. 
because I think it was like one of the first covers, like really. I mean, that book is meant to be read outside, so I agree. Whatever. All right, I've got another question here. Okay, Cat TFM asks, "What are your thoughts about authors who write multiple books belonging to different genres? Are there any authors you like who you'd like to see write a different genre, and if so, which?" Ooh, good question. I mean, one of my very favorite authors in the world writes different genres, and that's Stephen King. I, I really, really encourage authors to do that. I think that's the best. And even authors that write different subgenres within their genre are really cool. Like John Scalzi kind of does that. I mean, he writes like big kind of epic military sci-fi, but then he also like writes kind of offshoot weirder sci-fi. Uh, even like, uh, I think Adrian Tarkovsky has some big space opera stuff, and then he's got Shadows of the Apt, which I'm pretty sure is like, bug of fantasy you mentioned <laughs> that in the last yeah, one i know i really want to get to it i don't even know if that's actually technically what it is but that's what it seems like from me reading the descriptions what you just mentioned of an author's propensity to kind of switch genres for a little subsect is what inspired one of my answers to that question let's hear it joe abercrombie i would like him to do horror like a straight horror with maybe Ooh. little sections of warfare as opposed to big warfare with little sections of horror because not in every major battle does he do this, but in a lot of them, you'll be in this middle of this melee, and then all of a sudden, the focus will zero down to one person or just a small group of people, and their experience, usually with something kind of unnatural, and it just goes straight horror, and it is awesome. I think he would do a really good job with horror because Abercrombie's really good with characters. Horror is a very like personal genre and i think if he focused on one person and had a bunch of crazy stuff happening around them he'd do a really solid job at that yeah because you're kind of i guess exp and, I'm, and i'm you just kind of put this thought into my brain you're kind of experiencing it through their eyes that fear yeah you have to be yeah interesting yeah. what's an author that you would like to see uh switch up genres i would really like to see what rf kuang could do with science fiction Ooh. the author of the poppy war yeah spaceships and planets and hyperspace and laser guns and stuff there's certain authors that deserve a galaxy exactly yeah, yeah. rf kuang is one of them maybe if there's like some kind of space magic system space drugs or <laughs> i was just I thinking about that is there besides like star wars is there like any books that have space magic systems or do they kind of tend to all go technology or all go magic they're like magic is basically just technology we don't understand right like if you went back to like ancient Sumer with a machine gun, they'd be calling you Gandalf before the day was over, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, uh, like any faster than light travel is technically like magic. I mean, I'm sure that there's space wizards in something and I don't know. <laughs> it's like, like I just can't think of it off the top of my <laughs> head. Yeah. Like for me to sit here on my fantasy sci-fi podcast and suggest there's no space magic in books. It's like, I just haven't, I can't think of it right now. <laughs> Right, like Space Wizard sounds so default. Like at some point, it was probably used too much. Can you imagine if somebody wrote a book called Space Wizards? Like I'd buy it, <laughs> I would, <laughs> I'd buy it without buy even it. reading the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> Interstellar, Dragons, and Space Wizards. Like, okay. Do you have another author? Um, yes, I do. I would like to see Catherine Arden expand her world a little bit and write a kind of traditional running and hiding high fantasy, high stakes. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. I'd read anything she wrote, really. Me too. It's so, her words just really flow so well. It's just, it's such a joy to read for sure. I, that was well said. And I think that just, I just want to see her do a whole world and have her characters travel far outside of Rus. 
and maybe something a little bit more epic, like like four or five, six hundred pages and like five yeah. or six books or something. See what she could really do with developing an entire world. Because she really touched on it with Winter Night. There was like kind of hints of magic systems and hints of uh, lore and, and things like universes, that. Even. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think she'd do a really excellent job at that for sure. Do you have another one? Yeah, this is my only, this is my last one. Um, I would love to see Pierce Brown, the author of Red Rising, kind of in the same vein as what you were just talking about, write a fantasy series. You mm. know, a classic on the ground, build an entire world from scratch fantasy series. Because in Red Rising, he's got the characterization down, he's got action down, absolutely. His pacing is incredible. But like I, one thing I will say for the Red Rising series is that I never felt super like immersed i never felt like i had any super like um detailed sense of place like i would in a lot of other fantasy books that i've read stuff like greenbone or stormlight archive or even like the shades of magic uh, series or gentleman bastards like those are all really detailed worlds and in red rising a lot of the time you're in like different spaceships and you're like in the atmospheres of different planets and um, and it's kind of like our solar system, you know, so I'd right. really it like felt to a see more like Hunger Games, -y. like just like, OK, we're here now. I mean, it's funny because the first book gets compared to Hunger Games all the time. Oh, really? And, like the whole big arc, I guess, kind of does. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it makes like, sense. Essentially, if you took a lot of the, the detailed plot points out of the way and phrased it correctly. Yeah, they, they're like pretty similar series. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but one's obviously, I mean, in my opinion, like Red Rising is much better than the Hunger Games. But Hunger Games is really good. Have you read those books? Oh, yeah, dude. I killed them in like two weeks. Like, yeah, they're really them. good. I like yeah, Hunger I was Games a lot. into those books like hard. They get a little, I don't know. I really hate love stories that get in the way of like someone trying to save the world. It just seems petty and ridiculous. But she's also like 16, man. Yeah, like, that's what I had to keep reminding myself. Anyway, where, where are we? What's going on? Um, Questions. Okay, I've got one. Hi, my name is Shoelace asked us for a topic on points of view in books so i'll just kind of rephrase this because this was a pretty long question but i think i get the gist of this um do you prefer first person or third person i personally prefer third okay i feel, I feel like it depends <gasps> on the story me, right me like, too I mean, and like a horror but just on first. on the whole on the whole like if you're if you pick up a book in barnes and noble and you notice quickly whether it's in first or third person like which one do you kind third. of Okay. Third cool. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be limited necessarily because what if I don't like the person or like they're petty or something and like, oh, so right. many eye rolls, you know? Like, can you imagine if Warbreaker was all from Light Song? Yeah, I would have, I wouldn't like that. Yeah, no. Uh, what's your inclination? I kind of lean towards first person. Really? Actually, yeah. I wonder if it's because oh. you're a writer and you like the, the like, annals of the thought. You I don't know. know. Like, I just really, really like just settling right into somebody it's just this is you know so there, there are some drawbacks with first person is one of them is that you can pretty much bank on that person still being alive at the <laughs> end of whatever story they're telling usually not every right. time sometimes it's written really in a really clever way but that is kind of one of the things about it is that it takes a lot of the narrative like tension out when the whole book is from first person that's why like uh, books like name of the wind or blood song or um or like Empire of the Vampire, when it's kind of like third person telling a first person story, but like the there's like the present tense, or not present tense, but present time, you know, character is telling the story to another character. Right. Or writing what it do down they call or whatever. That? 
Uh, I don't know. I've only heard it called a third person framing story of a first person narrative. Um, So that's, those are like, honestly, like those are my favorite kinds of books is when one person is recounting a first person story in a third person framing device. Yeah, I, I mean, really like those a lot. Yeah, I really see like those a lot. many times I can lot. mention it this episode. Like when I found out, when I was reading Empire of the Vampire and like I figured out that's what was happening, I was just like, all right, well, I'm reading this entire book now because I really enjoy that. And you don't see like a ton of them, honestly. Like someone's mom dying at the beginning of the book for you? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, well, uh, now I'm, you got me Here. forever now. Okay. Um, I'm really bad with that. If I'm writing something, which I don't do often because it's not my not my passion or or skill, but... Uh, whenever I write, I'm very poor at keeping in the same tense and the same like viewpoint. I, I don't really have trouble with it, really. Really? Oh, man, I'm bad. Yeah. That and commas. I use the exact right amount in all the wrong places. <laughs> yeah, I use a <laughs> lot of commas. I use M dashes, too. Me, too. Because yeah. I think a comma should be when you pause. But there really shouldn't be <laughs> one right yeah. there, you know? I do run on sentences quite a bit. I do a lot of run on sentences. I just keep going. Um, yeah, me, too. But yeah, first person is just really cool. It's just if I feel like I just lock in a lot faster. But I'll just kind of tack something onto that though. I really like books that are just one perspective, regardless. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I like I like multiple points of view, especially if they're divvied up into chapters. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of when the POV shifts mid conversation. Um, no, I can't remember what that's called. I think that's third person omniscient or third person limited i can't remember exact i can't remember the differences between those um but basically like in dune um in dune the perspective shifts like while they're while people are talking to each other so it'll be like um you know like duncan idaho thought these different things and then some people will say something and then the perspective shifts over to like jessica and like what she's thinking and it's very weird um, it works huh. really well in Dune, and it's I've seen it work really well in other books. It kind of happens in uh, I noticed that um, John Flanagan does it in um, Ranger's Apprentice, where he kind of just like shifts willy nilly like to whoever he feels like is having thoughts at that point, which is really weird. I feel um, like Abercrombie does that a little bit too. Uh, I have maybe I didn't it's more chapter it. yeah. focused. Well, you see, doing it in you know it's like uh, like what George Martin George R. R. Martin did it in The Song of Ice and Fire, and like. Um, uh, Lee Bardugo does it in Six of Crows. Steven Erickson seems to do it in Malazan, but I think he breaks it up by like page breaks. So yeah, it's not necessarily like three stars or whatever. Yeah, it's not necessarily chapters, but little page breaks. I was like kind of wonder what that is. It's called a page break. I think so. Yeah, uh, I'm, that makes sense to me. I always been like, what is this? Like a like a not chapter chapter? They're like we're changing, but like not a big enough break to waste yeah, a half. Um, there's a lot of different ways to, to set it all up and structure stuff like that. I mean, um, one of the things Stephen King seems to really like to do is to do like chapters. So there's like, um, there'll be like chapter one and then he numbers his page breaks kind of like one, two, three, up to like 30 something. And then he'll do chapter two. Oh, wow. So he has very few chapters. Yeah. Or he'll have parts and then chapters in the parts. That's a lot more common. And then, um, like, Terry Pratchett doesn't do chapters at all. Like, right. None. First time I read a Terry Pratchett book, I was like, okay, I got to finish this chapter, and then I'll finish reading. And then I read, yeah. like, half the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you're eating cereal and you can, like, never get the mixture right. So you keep on eating, either adding milk or adding cereal, and you're like, ah. It's weird, like, reading along in a book, and you're like, oh, you write 50-page chapters. Damn it. <laughs> 
I really like short chapters a lot. I know we're completely off topic now, but whatever. I don't care. We're booking. We're booking. <laughs> we're booking, baby. Yeah, I like short chapters. I think that's why you can get through like a Dan Brown book so fast because they're like mm-hmm. page and a half long chapters. Yeah, and Dan Brown's like like a hound dog looking for the proverbial truffle of dun dun dun, and he gets a lot more of those if he ends chapters a lot. Just over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. But I like a short chapter. Let's move Me on. Too. Yeah, um, that's say your piece. Let's go. I've tried writing in first person, and it's really, really difficult. It's way harder than writing in third person. Yeah, because you have to be so subtly descriptive, I would imagine, about how you portray other people because you can't be in their brains. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, not in first person. You can't be in anybody else's brain. But it is interesting. The line for third person being in someone's brain is really gray. The amount of distance you can put between the writer or the narrator and the character is kind of fuzzy, you know? Mm. So I've seen some authors do it with a lot of distance between the narr- the narrator and the character where you almost you like never see where you're, you're never really inside of their head. It's more like you're just seeing what they're doing the whole Got time. It. And then if you're really up close to the character, you're seeing their thoughts like in italics, like a lot, like Joe Abercrombie does a lot of thoughts in italics. Right. You know? That's why I kind of thought that he was switching to brains. Cause that's just what I remember. But I think he's just doing that per chapter for one pe- person no um but first person is really difficult to write in because you it, it's hard not to start every sentence with the word i hmm. i did this i thought that and, and it's I... a little yeah it's a little easier in third person because you can say the name and then use a pronoun and you can kind of like change it up a little bit now and now and then and it doesn't seem like a very big difference but it really is when you're down in there writing it and you're just like wow i've started the last like six sentence with sentences with the word i Right. Like, Even if you I ran like over an... here, I threw this thing, I picked this up, you know. So do you throw like a descriptor in there, like willingly or like, you know, uh, energetically, he, I did this, or is that how you overcome? I never met an adverb that I liked. Adverbs oh, man, are I was... terrible. I barely ever use uh, adverbs in my writing. Like, really? Interesting. I, I try to get all fancy whenever I'm writing something, and then I like, uh, just, um, I'm not a good, <laughs> I am not a natural writer. I learned that from uh stephen king's on writing but yeah um adverbs just i mean obviously they work sometimes i'm not saying never use them but yeah they'll really drag down a sentence you just never really need them yeah i uh i took a and i I agree with you now that i'm like thinking about it and i don't think about it very often because i'm not writing very often but i took a writing english class back in the day it was like one of those you know because i was homeschooled up to my freshman year high school so it was just one of those little home group classes and they had us write these essays and every paragraph had to have like three words that started with an ing sentence and then three sentences that started with an ly words and it was just like i don't know it was weird and it forced you into these weird like willingly he chose you like oh yeah that's a gross sentence already yeah and so like i don't know i have in my brain that that's good writing but i hate it when i read it and when i do it myself i'm like chat no i mean i think that um with action it's a little bit you can you can rock an adverb with some ac- with action. I feel like a little bit better, but um, it's more like with I don't like it when it's like applied to facial expressions. Like he looked at her suspiciously, you know. It's like, oh. dude, just say he narrowed his eyes. That's telling versus showing. You know, that's gross. It's just there's been not every book that we've read, but a lot of them. There has been very specifically something that you haven't been like complaining about, but you've been like, I really don't like how often the corners of their mouth twitch up or right. they do this uh sort of thing so I've, I've heard you say that so many times it's so true and it's then once you say it i can never unread it 
And so next time I'm like, oh my God, they're twitching their mouths so much. <laughs> One thing that I've tried to shake off in my own writing is, is um, you don't need people moving around as much as you think you do. You know, like mm. that's the thing where like, when people are having conversations, Blocking. yeah, you kind of want to like move them around a bunch, like have them like like raise their eyebrows and and scratch their nose oh. and run their hands through their hair and like frowning and and you know blinking and like using blinked as like a dialogue tag. I've seen that before, where someone would be like, "Where did you get that stone?" She blinked, and it's like, "Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? You didn't blink that sentence?" You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've noticed that quite a bit. And it's I mean, I'm not like being overly critical about every other like, this is just like my own stuff that I've like kind of noticed that I was doing that a lot where I thought like every other sentence I had to have somebody run their hands through their hair or like scratch <laughs> their face or shift in their seat or something like Eyebrow that. Move or something. When you said yeah. they move too much, I imagined like two people in a room like walking in circles around each other, and then you start talking about their facial features and i was like oh right of course that's why <laughs> yeah and if you have two people talking you don't need to use dialogue text for like literally every single utterance you know what i mean you can just have like lines go back and forth um, right for a little bit where were you last night he drawled languidly and it's just like oh god dude that's Ugh. so gross <laughs> like, like, drawled languidly would you like, say where where were you last night he drawled period no i would just say, would say where asked, were you last night or like he asked or probably just said or nothing because the context should give enough to put that in the reader's minds anyway i mean it's just it's just why it's just superfluous shit it's just like is anybody really reading and they're like oh look at him drawling languidly over here you know like that's not <laughs> sometimes i try to imagine it really physically and it's like amazing how many authors make their characters do body movements that you never do like steepled fingers you ever steeple your fingers no, I, I do not steeple my fingers. I never yeah. steeple my fingers. I was reading this sales book one time <laughs> and it was talking about body language and like body language in sales is run by a bunch of people who've read like two blogs and then decided to throw a whole chapter about it in their books. And yeah. it's ridiculous. They'll be like, and if they're steepled fingers, that means that they're in a pensive, insightful mood. And you're like, or plotting to overthrow the galactic. <laughs> like, it's so dumb. <laughs> I hate that stuff. Yeah, there's weird ones like uh, like his eyes hardened, you know. And it's like, what is that? Like eye drops <clears throat> in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I notice a lot is um, like he clenched his jaw, or like the he, his jaw twitched, or like jaw jaws. People like jaws yeah. a lot. Like okay, jaws are have, all over the place. <laughs> I totally agree with you, and I think I have maybe an explanation in acting class. I think I have a hunch that they tell actors to do this when their faces are doing nothing because it's difficult to just stand there with a blank face. And you'll notice a lot of actors, their cheekbones, like, like they're flexing their jaw. Yeah. And I think they probably tell them that to like give some sort of movement, but I associate yeah. that with anger. And so I think it's used poorly a long time. And maybe that's authors seeing that happen in movies, thus thinking it's a natural body movement. I don't know. I I think I think you might be onto something there. I think another thing is that jaws are just kind of sexy, and yeah. and just bringing a jaw in, like just visual, like everyone knows what a good looking jaw looks like, and so it's just when you kind of like bring it in, you're just you're a little more engaged. Yeah, know? Daniel Craig like, looking at you with those piercing blue eyes, his jaw kind of flexing a little bit, right. like, gets me going. I don't know. It's funny that you mentioned Daniel Craig because I um. I was I watched like the first half of Goldeneye 
before we got on here. Really? And my God, Pierce Brosnan in the mid nineties was, he was the king of the nineties. Yeah. Just, oh man. He's so handsome. It's just crazy. Does he like, have a knife fight face? Like uh, Daniel Craig? I forget. A what? A knife fight face. You know how Daniel Craig looks like he like has been in 17 knife fights, but he's still <laughs> so handsome. No, Pierce Brosnan does not have a knife fight. Okay, face. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, now I do. Yeah, I can. I know what you're. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like he's like yeah, got into a you know, got into a fight with a wood chipper or something. But it's so handsome. I don't know why, but Daniel Craig is a weird James Bond. He's a weird handsome too. Yeah, he has a very weird like, kind of handsome. Yeah. What old? Yeah. What age is that guy? He's fifty-four. Fifty-four. Wow. Okay. I thought he was thirty. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying that he has 30. a very. Me too. He has a very. <laughs> and like, I look worse than Daniel Craig. <laughs> like I bet you, at thirty, he still looked like fifty. Uh, I mean, I think at fifty, he looks thirty. Like Daniel Craig looks awesome. Yeah, but he's got that kind of old, rugged he does, wisdom he, face. It's like his. Yeah, it's his eyes for sure. Yeah. He's he's got the um the age in his eyes for sure. Definitely. Yeah, he's got kind of a haunting. But I don't know. I think I think Daniel Craig is a really weird James Bond. Um, he's he's like a superhero, and James Bond isn't a superhero. Like, I don't think that Daniel Craig is. I think Daniel Craig is the the James Bond that we all wanted, but not the one that Ian Fleming wanted. I think mm. I think Pierce Brosnan is like pinnacle peak James Bond in my opinion. In my humble, don't know shit about James Bond. Like, right, well, Daniel Craig is like a James Bond who grew up watching Indiana Jones. Yeah, he's like a little more. Um, I don't know what the the word for it is. Less refined. Yeah. I guess that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, like he would eat bugs. <laughs> what to survive? Oh, okay. you know, like if he was in the forest, he would eat some bugs to survive. Where I was like, <laughs> it's like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> the hell, <laughs> dude. <I> was... <laughs> Daniel Craig would eat bugs. <laughs> that bug eater. Have you seen a picture of Ian McKellen when he's in his twenties? No, but I'm about to look it up. Look it up right now. And I'll wait for your reaction. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I know. What a dapper gent. I know, man. It's like, holy cow. Fuck. He looks yeah. like an Air Force hero. Yeah. Like a yeah. fighter pilot hero. Yeah. He's a, he's a beautiful person. Wow. Man, we are as far off topic as we've ever been, Chad. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we are very right. let's uh let's <laughs> figure like this talking out about economists right. oh my god yeah all right all right i think we have one left oh no we have we have two left we have two left okay uh if you're still here with us hi oh this is like the best <laughs> stuff ever they're still yeah. here with us hey guys we love you so <laughs> we, much we do love you so much um okay uh aic stories dave asks do you have any good recommendations for your favorite fantasy short story collections or anthologies? I'm on the fence about how well fantasy works in that medium. That's a good question. That is a really good question. And I think you're going to be far more qualified to answer it as I have uh, prior to the podcast. My main go to is like a three story. Like I was not even interested in standalones I want a huge series. Right. And so short stories, I was like, I scoff at you. I remember being disappointed when I learned the Witcher book that I purchased was actually a short story book, but it was really good. So if there's one that I have to recommend, it would be that. Aren't the first the first two are, are short, short stories, story. I believe so, yeah. And they're good. They're well, really I've, good. I've only read the first one, but The Last Wish is great. Yeah, really good. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, let's hear your thoughts because I know that you have a, a quite the lexicon. Um, as far as anthologies go, one only one like really comes to mind that's super solid, um, and it's George R. R. Martin and Gardner Dozois. Um, Dozois? I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name, but uh, Rogues. The, the The anthology is called Rogues. Um, so it's got a, like a it's got like a short Game of Thrones story by George R. R. Martin, but there's also original stuff in there from Scott Lynch, Joe Abercrombie, jo- uh, Gillian Flynn. Patrick Rothfuss, Connie Willis, Neil really? Gaiman. Yeah, there's a bunch of really cool stuff in here. And I haven't read every single one of them because I've only it called? read it's called Rogues. I mean, there was like some hot names you just threw down. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff. Uh, like The Lightning Tree by Patrick Rothfuss is a King Killer Chronicles story. What? Yeah, how the Marquis got his coat back is really good. That's Neil Gaiman's that's a Neverwhere story. Um, and then the, oh yeah, uh, the meaning of love by Daniel Abraham is really cool. Daniel Abraham is one of the co-authors of the expanse tough times all over by Joe Abercrombie is from uh, red country. So yeah, there's a lot of really, really good stuff wow. in that one. Yeah, definitely check it out. I want to read that now. It's like they went to all of our favorite, my favorite authors and were like, Hey, write a short story. We need it. Um, and then. I've only one, I've only read one story out of this anthology, and it was the Stephen King one that was in it. But this one's called Legends, like stories by the masters of modern fantasy, and it's a uh, like Robert Silverberg gathered like eleven of the best writers in fantasy, in his opinion, <laughs> and a lot of other people's opinions, to contribute to this. Uh, so, and each writer was asked to write a short story based on one of his or her f- most famous series. So, like Stephen King's is from the gunslinger universe which is why i read it because i was like reading dark tower stuff at the time and then robert jordan's got kind of like a cool like wheel of time thing in there there's like some there's some Anne mccaffrey some orson scott card like that's a i haven't read all of the ones in that one uh scott lynch isn't in this one oh really i'm looking i'm I'm looking at one that says rogues maybe that's the one i just (laughs) that's literally the one i just thought we were still talking about that no this is called legends oh Um, we moved on my bad (laughs) yeah this is uh this was edited by robert silverberg um but there's stuff from uh like raymond raymond feist rift war saga obviously robert silverberg robert silverberg's uh magipore there's some terry pratchett in here like that's a that's supposed to be a really good one but unfortunately i've only read the stephen king one out of there i found it on the internet somewhere but you might check that out. And then as far as like short story collections, um, I haven't read a ton of them, but there's a really good Gene Wolfe short story collection. And I think I've got it on my shelf here. It's it's just called The Best of Gene Wolfe. And there's some really, really terrific stuff in there. Gene Wolfe is just great. Um, the Wind's Twelve Quarters by Ursula Le Guin is a really good collection of short stories, obviously by Ursula Le Guin. Um, mm-hmm. I really like Neil Gaiman's short stories a lot. Uh, particularly fragile things and, and and smoke and mirrors smoke and mirrors is really good too um yeah neil gaiman really shines with short stories absolutely as does stephen king obviously stephen king um you know those are horror but um my favorite of his is skeleton crew that one is really great i love you so much evan you're like yeah i mean i've got like one or two <laughs> eight <laughs> eight later and you're like yeah well yeah. let me mention the best one <laughs> there's some yeah there's some really terrific ones i mean like obviously i mean short stories uh i usually just kind of like find them on the internet now and then i mean like ray bradbury's got some really good ones i've read some of his Um, yeah ray bradbury is really great at short stories yeah fantasy is tough i feel like horror really works for short stories Mm -hmm. um 
Like uh, John Lagan has a has a really cool short story collection. Yeah, like if you, it's probably easiest explained by like um, TV shows that do it that way, right? Like Love, Death, and the Rob- Love, Death, and Robots. Almost all of, not almost, not all of them, but a lot of them are horror because horror you can end in weird spots that in a traditional story would not be acceptable. Right. Exactly. And you don't have to you don't have to really make as many excuses for stuff. Right. Um, with fantasy, I mean, like typically with like, I think high fantasy short stories are difficult, which is why like those anthologies that I told you about all kind of take place. Um, the the separate stories are all kind of like a part of a world that's already been right. made. You know, um, and I don't think that you could. I don't think you could say that fantasy just straight up doesn't work for short stories, but I think high epic fantasy kind of you need a little bit more space for that. It's um, rough. You need like at least Emperor's saying. Soul worth of book. Now, what do right. you consider the length of a short story to be a short story? I don't really know. Um, like twenty thousand words, probably. Like, and that's how many pages, roughly? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't really think about things in word count, so I don't have like a something, good basis for something comparison. between like ten and ten and fifty pages, probably is a short okay. story. Oh, there's a gigantic fucking spider on my wall. Whoa, Whoa dude, take care of that. It's huge. Oh. It's huge. Oh my god. Dude, I literally like just wanted to look behind me when you said that. Not yo. Cool, what is up, spider friend? Mm, spider enemy. He's taking care of bugs, man. He is, dude. He's doing. A He's good my job, buddy. Like, yeah. I would never kill them outside my house, but inside my house, the spider isn't nah, going to do anything to me. I'm not waking at up all. with you on my face, dude. Well, he doesn't want to be on your face, Chad. Dude, He'd black, rather not. Dark, moist spots. They love that shit. <laughs> okay, uh, I think we oh, covered. I think we covered the short. Um, oh, I have one uh, question. Dave. Oh, go ahead. It's very, very book related, so it's on topic here. I just want to make sure that my understanding of the word anthology is correct. That is a collection of anything, right? You can have like a collection of poems would be an anthology, right? Um, I don't. I'm not sure not exactly. Just short stories. What, what I'm. I think. In this specific scenario, I think anthology, at least for what I'm referencing, seems to be collections of different authors. And then a short yeah. story collection would be one author. Okay. Yeah, but I'm just kind of wondering what the actual word, not just in the context that we're anthology using. Anthology means a collection of a, just like, yeah, like a bunch of. Would it like a different... recipe book be an anthology? I'm going to look it up. I got to know now. A published collection of poems or other pieces of writing. Right. So, yeah, I think um, I think it could pertain to I don't know if it would pertain to like exactly one author. Yeah, I don't know, because it seems like, yeah, I'm not sure. A published collection of songs and musical compositions. Yeah. OK. I mean, yeah, I guess like a big collection of Shakespeare's stuff could be called the Shakespeare's uh, anthology or whatever. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. I think just like but, different, different individual pieces, regardless of who they come from. Totally. But yeah, hopefully that answered your question, Dave. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> with the fourteen you thought of, I don't know. Dave's probably <laughs> feeling pretty unsatisfied right now. I don't know. I, I, I'm unsatisfied. <laughs> I'm satisfied. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> All right, uh, we've been recording for a really long time, and I love it. Uh, we have one more question. Hell yeah, go people! And this is a pretty interesting question, I will say, and. I'm hoping that this is something that you and I disagree on because I feel like it would make for a much cooler conversation. But I think even if we agree on it, you know, we'll we'll have a good conversation. But I, I'm really hoping 
this is something that we disagree on. So me too. We've uh, agreed on lots of things in the past. We agree all me. the time. All right. Yes, we do. Um, this question comes to us from Weird Fishes O Nine. Weird Fishes O Nine asks, "Who would win in a fight between Darth Vader and Dumbledore?" Ooh, Weird Fishes swimming in with a doozy. Um, <laughs> Dumbledore. Oh my God. <gasps> you disagree? I, yeah, I do. How do you yeah, disagree? Yeah, of course I disagree. Dude, Darth okay. Vader, are you serious? Dude, he has one trick. He has a lightsaber and can choke people. He has That's telekinesis. That's not his one trick, and you know He's it. got telekinesis and a lightsaber. He he never even... He has the whole he, dark he never side even of this fingers. mystical space magic behind him. We were just Would talking about see? space magic. Like We were just talking about space wizards, Chad. We yeah. just talked about it. And while he and, is a space... I would call him more of a space superhero because he has one specific no, type. Whereas he doesn't have access wizard. to the whole lexicon of magic. Yeah, Dumbledore he does. does. No, Dumbledore, he doesn't use it. Dumbledore doesn't use dark magic. He refuses. Yeah, but I mean, he has so many different spells, so many tricks up his sleeve. Whereas Darth Vader has, I bet you Darth Vader has no secret pockets in his cloak. Oh, I, I bet, bet you, he absolutely does. I bet you Dumbledore has 25 and probably they're like little bags of holding that holds all sorts of little goodies. I think Dumbledore would run away from a fight. Dumbledore would with... be like, Achio, lightsaber. And... <laughs> I'm so glad we disagree on this because you are so wrong. Dude, okay, how like... can the force kill with one move? Is there an Avada Kedavra equivalent? I don't but think Dumbledore so. Dumbledore would never use Avada Kedavra. He so would that's desperation, like... I think. What are you talking Okay, so now he's desperate. I don't think Vader is going to be desperate in this fight. How desperate is Dumbledore? Yeah, he definitely will be as soon as as soon as Dumbledore takes his freaking lightsaber and starts using crazy magic on him that he's like, oh, I only have lightning fingers and telekinesis. Here, let me throw some boxes at you. You're like working off the assumption that Dumbledore would actually take Vader's lightsaber. Yeah, he probably wouldn't need to. He would just kill him before he just like lift him up off the ground, give him like nothing to push off of and then like remove all the air from the bubble or something that he was in. There's so much ability to morph magic in the Harry Potter world. Whereas like, yes, I can see the hypothetical things that Vader could do. But the reality is we've only ever seen him like swing his sword around and crush people's necks and throw boxes. Right. So you want to frame this argument around what we've seen these characters do? Yes. Okay. So what have we seen Dumbledore do? Dude, fight um, Voldemort with like crazy spells that we don't like even know water. the existence of. He didn't even hurt Voldemort. Actually, if you think about it, Dumbledore so hasn't ever, <laughs> Dumbledore in, in all the Harry Potter books and all the movies has never even scratched Voldemort. Okay. Okay. I would. I would be willing to give you this. Dumbledore would not kill Darth Vader. He would incapacitate him. He would <laughs> win. He would put him in a rear naked choke equivalent of magic. Uh, the magic's equivalent of a rear naked choke and render him useless. Unless they're in an, if they're in an elevator, Darth Vader wins. I'll give you that. <laughs> if they're in an elevator. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> well, if they're in the Ministry of Magic. Vader wins. If they're at Hogwarts, Vader wins. No, like no, Vader wins. He does not Vader's got all. Vader's got all the dark power of space behind him. You Which know what I mean? means like space, what? I don't Throwing know. boxes, crushing know. the force crushing is like necks. the force is like the the lifeblood essence of the entire fucking universe. <laughs> we don't even <laughs> like ever Dumbledore. see Vader do like trickery magic, but there's no way that he would get through Dumbledore's Auckland occlumency so like no dude just no dumbledore's got too much protections and too many tricks up his sleeve 
You don't think Vader's mind is strong enough? Dude, it only works for... on the weak-minded. It's so not it going to work. It's on not going to work on Dumbledore. But Occlumency wouldn't work on Vader either. So there's oh, no Dumbledore's could... not going to try. That's not how he fights. He's not going to try to use the force. Well, just, to, like... Okay, so like you and I can at least agree that you can take mind powers out of this equation. Yes, I, I would definitely agree. I just want to. I just want to clarify real yeah, quick. Yeah. What damage have you seen Dumbledore inflict? Dumbledore is like vegetables. <laughs> he is a preventative what? force. He stops things from ever getting to the point that he even has to fight god that was a good answer that wasn't a good answer that was a weasley answer yeah, it was like, a weasley answer but he you understand what i'm saying he's like not a like he's not a battler but he has battled like he fought grindelwald he was the only one who was and he didn't even kill him he was so good he managed to take out the most powerful baddie at the time who had the most powerful wand and didn't kill him Okay, so let me ask you this then. Boom. I'm not. I'm still not agreeing with you, but let me ask you this. So you're saying that Dumbledore would incapacitate Darth Vader? Yes. Correct? Okay. Unless he was going to be killed. Well, he's such a good guy. I don't know. It's really circumstantial. I think that begs the question, how long, how, how much would Darth Vader fight in like uh, being incapacitated? So what I'm trying to get to is like, Vader would Vader would kill Dumbledore, right? Yes. Okay, so you really got to narrow down how well incapacitated is Darth Vader because eventually he's going to kill Dumbledore. If, so 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 following your logic it's like it's like kill like win eventually. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> well, Voldemort didn't win eventually. Well, he did kill Dumbledore. Well, I mean Darth Vader would, dead. No, Darth Vader would totally like slap around Tom Riddle. Yeah. We, we yeah. both agree on that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, no, he would. Yeah. Tom Riddle. So you know, his ego so, would get in the way. It'd be like, no problem. Um, so like, okay. So it's easy so for me. Okay, it's easy okay. for me to say that. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, it's easy for me to say that uh, Darth Vader would kill both Voldemort and Dumbledore. Right. Because I think that Dumbledore is more powerful than Voldemort. And I think that, Vader could kill Dumbledore, so that means that Vader could definitely kill Voldemort. You're definitely, saying if in your you're logic. saying you're saying that Vader could kill Voldemort, right? Right. So how much more powerful is Dumbledore than Voldemort? Lots. Okay. <laughs> I mean, dude, if if Dumbledore was a dark man, if he, he was that much more powerful, he wouldn't have had to kill Harry. Just no, saying, he, he wouldn't have to lead Harry like a lamb to slaughter and like okay, plot this yeah, entire he, fucking thing. That I'm was just saying, a little fucked. I'm just okay, saying. Okay. Okay. Like, let me just say now, he. <laughs> He doesn't ever, ha he refuses to use those means. Like, yes, he could do them. And if it was like, if we removed their morality, their character from them, it would be like a no contest. Dumbledore would kill him in the first second. But Dumbledore's not that person. So we're taking his morality as almost as a crutch into this fight. So here's what, something I want you to com contemplate. Sucks for he, Dumbledore then. He like... incapacitates him. <laughs> yes. Yes, he incapacitates him. For and some, thinking, some unforeseen amount sure, of time. We have like, already been exposed to Darth Vader's ability to be assuaged. Who is the most masterful person at turning people to be? I would give it to Dumbledore. Dumbledore would not only incapacitate him, he would get him fighting on his side within a fortnight. He is charming. He is so charming. Let me try to get us to a place. Let me extend an olive branch here and okay, try to get us okay. to a, an even footing here. Vader would kill Dumbledore if Dumbledore was 
up to his usual kind of moral standing. Yes. Right? Yes. Eventually. Eventually, yes. The keyword, yes. And Dumbledore was not allowed to act, um, use his words upon him. I don't know. I still don't know. Because, I mean, all it took was like a couple twinkle twinkles in the eye of um, Luke. And Darth Vader's like, oh, but that was right. his son. That was his son, Chad. Yeah, but he knew for like, like two hours. He knew him the whole time. They were okay. connected through the force. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> also, all you'd have to do, if you could like magic the inside of his suit, like how much he needs so much stuff to stay alive in there. Dumbledore would just like find whatever like oxygen tube it is and just like pinch it. He wouldn't even like have to do something flashy. He would just like disc- incapacitate his, his robot side. See, I'm not even convinced that Dumbledore could beat tom riddle Voldemort in a fight oh i think he could really especially with the um with the uh, elder wand maybe he was the only one he ever feared but i i am no because i don't want to start picking apart harry potter lore. okay okay yeah, we don't yeah. we don't have to pick apart harry potter lore to get to the bottom of this no you know? i think that vader in his prime like vader like, like straight anakin style like remember the end of rogue one yeah Okay, like that Vader, not not like wheezing Return of the Jedi Vader, but like <laughs> the end of Rogue One, beginning of A New Hope Vader. That Darth Vader would kick this shit out of Dumbledore. Like he would freeze him in place with the Force. Dumbledore wouldn't even be able to use his wand. Dude, no, he would have his Protego spell up before he would even no, try. No, he would. He Dude, would, it would just ding off. It would go like flashing off as a little like thing of green. Vader. Vader would force freeze him, and then cut off his head with a lightsaber it would cauterize the wound he'd freeze him in carbonite it'd be over no not even at all <laughs> and like we have to and like not to mention that love is such a powerful thing that it creates relationships right where's fox the phoenix in this whole conversation you know is dumbledore fighting alone no that's one of his main like, powers is he's surrounded by people that love him and support him and so that's a reach vader is going to be fighting a whole <laughs> army even though dumbledore still doesn't need it Oh no, Vader's gonna have to fight Harry and Luna Lovegood too. Dude, Remus. Cho Chang. He's gonna have a like, werewolf coming out his other side, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but like um, Fox with... is gonna come like cry on Dumbledore's cauterized neck wound <laughs> and grow Dumbledore's head back. He's not is that what you're anywhere suggesting? unless the fight starts in an elevator. Vader is not getting anywhere close to Dumbledore with his freaking lightsaber. There's no way. He's just going to ask you that shit right out of his hands. I don't think you understand. And I'm trying to try to say this without sounding super condescending. No, but I think I'm already... <laughs> Dude, I don't think you them... understand what the force is, Chad. I like, think I don't I've think... seen how Vader has used it. And he's so uncreative. I get well, it. If he was like, George if he was Lucas like the master chess. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, but I'm still attributing it to Vader because that's what I've seen him do. All we see him do, he doesn't even lightning fingers. Whereas have you Dumbledore, seen, have you seen the end of Rogue One, Chad? We're not do you talking remember about the that full capabilities of the Force versus the full matter? We're talking about these people's use of the items and what we've seen they do, and would they? And Dumbledore has so many tricks up his book, up his sleeve. Not like to mention, what? like name name some of these tricks, Chad. Dude, he's I the master so of mystery. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he says he doesn't you. even have to say his um, spells out loud because he's so fucking good. So, like, that's one of his things, right? This is mystery. We don't know, but we know that he's super powerful and feared by everyone. And we know that he took out the super evil wizard who was the most powerful, trying to kill him with the most powerful weapon of the time. 
And he didn't just kill him. He incapacitated him. And we're thinking, Mr. Oh, I'm going to crush my lieutenant's throat. Is going to have one up on the dizzle door? I don't think so. Spells in Harry Potter can be blocked by like chairs. You know what I mean? Like they're like projectiles. Well, like, we've like, never. But like that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. Is like Dumbledore's magic is all sourced from his wand, which is like this projectile no, it's shooting. Channel. It's channeled. It's not sourced, but channeled through this wand it's he's like he's shooting what are like what are the what are the mechanics of the way he's actually doing the because vader have, has control of this mystic like force field like that's right which we never in, see him use we kind of do no we don't he dude he, he loses to obi-wan <laughs> like okay so i'll give you this if dumbledore was wandless and vader was lightsaberless i think dumbledore would have his work cut out for him I think that I think the, I think you're right, and I'm I'm gonna concede because I don't give you without I, I, the one okay. thing though. I, I still I, think I, the only reason I'm might. the reason I'm gonna concede to this is because there's probably more examples of why Dumbledore would win than than hard like like referenceable examples of why Vader would win. Even though I'm sure somewhere in the canon of star wars there's probably a really good reason and if you're if you're in the discord or you want to send us an email like you want to keep this going oh i expect read a lot of the canon in the discord be nice though people be nice um i think i'm gonna go ahead and just and just give it to you based on the evidence that we both have to hand because i haven't read enough of the star wars canon but something's telling me someone's gonna I say need... some real like vague thing well on the planet of the third moon of alderaan when he was confronted with this you know <laughs> gonna give us some examples some precedent part of me conceding is that i do want to leave just this little nugget of me being right about something because <laughs> i just have to and but you like, fought but... good enough that i will concede you to be a little right like we're gonna both <laughs> put up some fisticuffs in that but um I have a feeling there's more in the Star Wars canon to support Vader beating Dumbledore than there is in the Harry Potter canon to support Dumbledore beating Vader. Hmm. Yeah, I would like say that we're, the we're both working Star Wars without canon every, is, it's it's vast. It's vast. Yeah. And as far as I can tell, Harry Potter canon is just like made up on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also there's something like, that I keep going back to in my mind that would lead to Dumbledore's demise, which is the morality thing, right? So here we've got. If there's a bunch of, um, you know, stormtroopers around and or people that have, have weak minds that Darth Vader can start being like, attack Dumbledore, attack Dumbledore, then like all of a sudden we've turned him into like a necromancer. And that's really <laughs> so, hard to kill. I told you, he's a space wizard. Yeah, he is a space wizard. I just, you know, he's just such a lame in the movies, you know, but that's not his fault. That's Lucas. Okay, let me ask you this. Ah, I think I got you here. <laughs> <laughs> And then I got to go to bed pretty soon. Okay, me too. Okay. Um, so in Empire Strikes Back, uh, Darth Vader force pulls Han Solo's blaster out of his hand, correct? True that. Yes, he okay, does. So is there a spell that would lock Dumbledore's wand in his hand? Hmm, because if I there is... We... <laughs> go ahead. I think it would just be like who force pulled because like that's the Accio. Uh, is it Accio or Accio? Achio. I don't. I don't know. Achio, let's call it Achio. Is um the it kind of matters who who pulls first? Did Han did Han shoot first? So like, because I mean, if 
Dumbledore Achios, then he's got no lightsaber. Of course, I guess he doesn't need a lightsaber to do a force pull, which is, you know, a thing that I'll give to Vader. He is not so required uh, and so dependent on his weapon. It merely augments right. his skills. It is not the vehicle for it, which is a total weakness. Because you can just grab a wand. I think I'm, snap I think it, I'm right? taking. I think I'm. I'm taking back my concession. I'm taking it back. I'm well, standing firm I'm on this. Actually, it fully I'm doubling because, down. I'm doubling because, down. See, okay. Okay. I'm gonna I'm, <laughs> consider my concession access, revoked. You don't have access to the entire lexicon of Star Wars. I don't need depth. it. I don't need it. You have force pull, force push, move boxes, crush windpipe, lightsaber, mind powers. But we've already that doesn't work. So you know what? I think the real see. question here is how much knowledge do each of these. Uh, these characters have like how much knowledge do we have about that? Well, no. What, <laughs> I, what I'm saying is like, do they know they're about to fight each other? Oh, like, right. is Vader standing in a room ready to go, and Dumbledore walks in, or are they standing in a room together, and someone says, "Go fight"? Or right. is it that's the really it's like, important? It's like question Batman here, can always right. beat someone if he can t- know about Prepare. it pre- beforehand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I don't really know. And like I said, if there's people around, then Darth Vader has a better shot. If they're in an elevator, Darth Vader's taking it again. So you know what I mean? If there's a, a, a broom anywhere near around, it's like <laughs> Dumbledore's probably pretty pretty wacky on that broom. Probably hard to hit. <laughs> Dumbledore. <laughs> there is I bet there's zero evidence to support that Dumbledore is in any way proficient at riding a broom. He's just learned how to Voldemort fly. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, dude, and that we didn't even talk about um, what they call it when they beam around, crack around, the, they have nightcrawler powers um, in what? Harry Potter. What? When Say they beam from one place to the oh, other. apparating? Apparate, yeah, but he would just be apparating all over his Vader ass. Vader would be like, where is he? Yeah, maybe, actually. That's a pretty good point. I have to give that to you. I don't think Darth Vader can teleport. I don't actually. think so either. He could fly though, because we've seen him kind of hover, but that won't matter when he's night crawling, being night crawlered. <laughs> but right. like again, Dumbledore is so like eclectic in his style, you know. He wouldn't like he's not the sort of guy to apparate behind you and like cut, use the sort of Gryffindor to like hamstring you. <laughs> you know, which is what he should do, but he wouldn't because he's too nice. He's like, well, we gotta see if there's good inside of him. But maybe the force could be. I think be my used... biggest crutch is is morality here <laughs> if right, i lose the fight yeah. it's because he's too good of a person that's such a cop-out chad it's, but it's like, right you know it's right because if he yeah. just operated behind him had the sort of gryffindor and just cut his hamstrings maybe the force could make it so that that dumbledore can't apparate i mean i think that's a stretch you're calling me giving yeah. cop-outs you're just like inventing <laughs> <It's> a... <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. what if the force could just stop his heart <laughs> I think we gotta we gotta cut this. Um, yeah, well, uh, please take this battle up uh, upon your shoulders, Discord, and I look forward to reading it. It's got to be Vader. Okay, we. <laughs> I don't. You can have the last word. Go ahead. I want. I'm gonna. No, no, no. Uh, no I'm done. I think. I'm, no, I, I just had good. it. I'm such a dick. Like. No, no, no. I think I'm good. Like I think I've said my piece, and <laughs> okay. I think that we're gonna leave it to the people, our beautiful, right, yeah. wonderful listeners, yep. uh, bookbenders. We leave this fight in your hands. That was a fun battle, dude. We should disagree about things more often. Yeah, we should. Yeah, it's yeah, good that times. Was great. I remember Evan called me a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, "Hey, uh, I thought of a good idea for an episode tonight. Who do you think would win?" Dumbledore or Gandalf? And I was like, oh, Gandalf. And he was like, oh, darn it, me too. Yeah, Gandalf because <laughs> he would get smoked. Gandalf would kick the shit out of Dumbledore. Yeah, and dude, Darth Shadow Vader. Facts would yeah. probably kick the shit out of Dumbledore. Yeah, Gandalf is like a demigod. Like it's yeah, like a whole like different thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a completely different thing. <laughs> like 
Eru Iluvatar intervened on his behalf. It's like yes. this whole giant other mess. Wow, I did not think that this conversation get nerdy, and then you dropped Iluvatar. The one. Dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got to go to bed. Everybody, Same. thank you for listening. If you're still here with us, you're amazing. You're we a super you. fan. We really appreciate you being here. Um, really cool conversation with my best buddy, Chad. Everybody, Damn hope you straight. have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you so much, so much for listening. And we will see you next time on Book Reviews Kill. Until then, happy reading. Thank you for all the wonderful questions. Bye, everybody.